0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. On last week's show, we promised to try and hook up with the good people at Radar Magazine and happily... We can report that in our second segment today, we'll be talking to Mr. Dale Harabi, editor-in-chief at Radar, about his magazine cover story, Help! I Can't Move My Face, and other true tales of Hollywood's plastic surgery addiction. In our third segment today, we'll have a, a quick word with an old friend of ours, Lino Carollo, about, uh, about Robert Truax, the man who designed Evil Knievel's Sky Cycle. We're still trying to get Mr. Truax himself, and we may yet succeed. But in the meantime, we're going to talk to Lino. Let us start the show as we like to do with On This Date in History. But first, we should note that today's program on December 20th will mark the closest program to the winter solstice. Winter will actually begin this Saturday on the 22nd, meaning that uh, from this point forward, all the days are going to get longer which is always a good thing to note when, uh, you know, it's sunset at like 446. We've noted in this show in past years, and do want to note one more time, that sunsets are actually getting slightly earlier and have been now for the past two weeks, even though days have been getting shorter. And why that is is something we can't really explain very well on the radio, so we're not going to try. Let's go into on this date in history, December 20th. In the year 69 AD, Vespasian, that is Titus Flavius Vespasianus, a former general under Nero, enters Rome to claim the title of emperor. His reign was noted for its order and the beginning of a century of peace. The year 69 AD, I believe, is known as the year of the four emperors because in the power struggle after Nero was killed, well, there were two other emperors and the title eventually went to Vespasian who had been in what is today's Israel, trying to put down a revolt of the Jewish Roman citizens there. Which would actually make a pretty good topic for a whole show, but, you know, some other day. Fast forward to the year 1192 on December 20th of that year, in yet more religious mayhem. It turns out that on his way home from having concluded a treaty with Saladin to end the Third Crusade, England's Richard the Lionhearted was captured and imprisoned by Leopold V of Austria over an argument they had during the crusade. In another episode of still more religious strife on December 20th in the year 1688, the Netherlands William III marches into London with 15,000 troops, resulting in the overthrow of James II, who was allowed to escape to France. William's ascent to the throne of England reigned jointly with his wife Queen Mary II. This is why in America we have a college, by the way, titled William and Mary. James II was thought to be a secret Catholic, and when William came over from from the Netherlands to take the throne, that was the uh, the last gasp of those who would restore a Catholic monarch to the British throne. This date in 1803, the U.S. and French governments put the finishing touches on the Louisiana Purchase. For the bargain sum of $15 million, the U.S. acquired an area that would become Arkansas, Missouri, Iowa, the Dakotas, as well as chunks of Minnesota, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and, of course, Louisiana. And finally, on December 20th in 1962, the Dominican Republic, in its first free election in 38 years, chose Juan Bosch-Gavino for president. However, the army toppled him shortly afterward, as his plans for land reform would have broken up sugar plantations that were owned by the generals. And that sort of thing is all too often, unfortunately, how things go in politics. Our quote of the day comes from Max Lerner, who said, If you choose the lesser of two evils, always remember that it is still evil. Our quip of the day comes from the immortal Frank McKinney Hubbard, better known as Kin Hubbard, who once posed the question, Why don't the feller who says, I'm not a speech maker, let it go at that, instead of giving a demonstration? Our statistic of the day 88% of dog and cat owners in the U.S. say their pet is a quote, member of the family, unquote. 69% let their dog or cat sleep in bed with them. Yes, that just ain't right. Furthermore, this is according to the Harris Poll, 65% of pet owners have bought their pet a holiday present and 37% have bought their pet a birthday present. And if you're one of those individuals, well, we just suggest you keep it to yourself. Our, our jokes of the day, and this has been on the web, but you know, I, I really don't believe the premise on this, that these are actual rejoinders to Proverbs by first graders. Believe it if you will, but allegedly somebody's first grade class came up with the following rejoinders to the beginnings of Proverbs as follows. Don't change horses until they stop running. <laughs> Strike while the bug is close. "A miss." Is as good as a mister. You can't teach an old dog new math. And if you lie down with dogs, you'll stink in the morning. (laughs) Which, by the way, does tie in nicely with our statistic of the day. Laugh, and the whole world laughs with you. Cry, and you have to blow your nose. A bird in the hand is going to poop on you. And finally, although this one ain't bad, I know no first grader came up with this one. Better late than pregnant. Good line, but first graders don't know late pregnant. They don't don't know. So somebody made this up, but, but they ain't bad. You know, this might be a good time to hear from America's foremost political comic, our old pal, Will Durst. Thanks Doug. Today I'm going to try to right a couple of wrongs. Apparently this is a very popular feature because I get people who call up all the time to tell me that they love my little commentaries, but I will admit they do take me to task for being a bit rough on the president now and then, never mentioning all the good things that he's done. And you know what folks, these people are right, so today, having seen the error of my ways, I intend to spend this entire commentary talking about all the good stuff about George Bush that I can think of. So here it goes. I I um I um no 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 I uh, no I got it. I I got it. He sure doesn't sweat much for a lion thief. I knew I could do it. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. And uh, by way of viewer mail, we'd like to thank John in the UK for uh, answering the question we posed of why the Encyclopedia Britannica was first published in Scotland. Said John, he was pretty sure that it was founded by a Scotsman. And at that time, the acts of union between England and Scotland, which is 1706 to 07, had made Great Britain, which is presumably where the name came from. John, we should note, wrote us from the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. And no, we don't know why in this program Americans can't seem to get it straight that the UK is composed of Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, and Wales, but people just don't get it. Recently, when someone referred to Tony Blair, this is a newscaster, as Tony Blair as the Prime Minister of England, (laughs) I brought that up at a party and said, can you believe that? They referred to Tony Blair as the Prime Minister of England, which people said, well, isn't he? Mr. Blair was, in fact, the British Prime Minister, which thus would make him the Prime Minister of Wales, Scotland, England, and Northern Ireland. We also want to thank John uh, here in the U.S. for his input about uh, the fish kill going on down in the Delta. We were sent an editorial by, by a Dan Batcher about this, uh, where he referred to the Prospect Island Fish Kill as one of the worst environmental disasters of its kind in California history, which occurred after a contractor for the Bureau of Reclamation pumped out the water from the island as it repaired a levee. This fish kill was the subject of a hearing by Lois Wolk here from Davis, chair of the Assembly Committee on Parks and Wildlife. Wolk blasted the state and federal agencies for their lack of coordination and late response to the fish die-off. We've appointed John our fish stocks correspondent uh, down in the Delta, and he further sent us a notice about how Assemblyman Joe Canciamia, evidently from um, Contra Costa, trying to get people to write uh, write their mayor and city councilman to see what we can all do to stop this ongoing plan by Southern California Water Interests and the Department of Water Resources to begin the planning process for a new canal. Noted the Assemblyman, uh, in short, these outside water interests are in the process of now calculating the dollar cost for building a new canal or Delta Bypass, or inclusion in a Sacramento water bond that will go to the voters sometime in 2008. This strategy is moving fast and continues behind the scenes between special interests that all want to see more of our quality water moving south faster and more efficiently. And of course, they're promoting this as a way to save the Delta by diverting water around it, which is kind of like that that new plan to save those asthma patients by taking the oxygen and diverting it around them. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, last week was a good week for Hot Pursuit. After a man named Warren White Lightning stole a Krispy Kreme donut truck and (laughs) led several police cars on an 80-mile-per-hour chase leaving a trail of hundreds of donuts rolling down the streets of Madison, Wisconsin. White Lightning was charged with drunken driving, ramming a police car, and a host of other crimes. And let me tell you something, you waste that many donuts and the cops are going to throw the book at you. Alright, this week, conversely, was a, really a bad week for endorsements. After former Atlanta Mayor Andrew Young exhorted fellow African-Americans, to vote for Hillary Clinton, not Barack Obama. Bill Clinton's every bit as black as Barack, Youngle chortled, and he's probably gone out with more black women than Barack. And finally, it was uh, an ugly week this week for the White House, which apparently was fooled by a prank call by a teenager from Reykjavik, Iceland, who claimed to be Iceland's president. The call was put through to Bush's secretary, who said Bush was a little busy, but rescheduled the call for a few days later. Vifil Atlasson, aged 16, thought it was pretty funny until the CIA hauled him in for questioning. And frankly, we would like to know quite a bit more about that story. How does the CIA go to Iceland and haul in an Icelandic citizen for the heinous crime that... Of phoning the president of the United States. Now, we admit you shouldn't misrepresent yourself as the chief of state of your country when you make the call. But we have to ask, doesn't the CIA have better things to do? From the Only in America file, we have this item. You know, some people think that with this whole housing meltdown, the fact that, you know, something like one-fifth of the foreclosures are people that were just basically making real estate investments, and they weren't homeowners, and the whole subprime mortgages, all this stuff. There appears to be some, you know, chicanery that's been going on in the, in the, uh, the land industry, as exemplified by this item. A North Carolina woman who bought a plot of land at the bottom of a lake is now suing local authorities to have the land drained. Yes, evidently Kristen Wallace bought the 8-acre plot at the bottom of Lake Lynn, which the state created in the 1970s as part of a flood control program. Wallace argues that her new purchase would be more valuable if drained. And, 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 I'm, and I'm sure that's correct. The land is extremely valuable to me, Wallace said. Dry. The county has so far rejected Wallace's claim, saying that she bought the land as is. Of course, I don't know. Until uh, while I owned a boat in Sacramento, I was charged 60 bucks every year for the land under the water underneath the slip I rented at the Sacramento Marina. All right, uh, let's do a little interesting item here in regards to uh, this week in history. This week marks... Arthur C. Clarke's 90th birthday. At a press conference in his home in Colombo in Sri Lanka, the science fiction writer listed three wishes for his 90th birthday, for the world to embrace cleaner energy resources, for a lasting peace in his adopted homeland, Sri Lanka, and for evidence of extraterrestrial beings. In a speech to a small gathering of scientists, astronauts, and government officials, Clark said, I've always believed that we are not alone in this universe, adding humans are waiting until extraterrestrial beings call us or give us a sign. We have no way of guessing when this might happen. I hope sooner rather than later. Well, we hope Sir Arthur C. Clark uh, gets his wish about contact from extraterrestrial beings, but it's quite curious that in that SETI, or Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, which has been going on for decades now, uh, the most odd, the most intriguing, mysterious thing that, is, uh, that has happened in, in throughout all of that search was the famous WOW signal. Anyway, I'd, I'd read about this in the past, but I went on the web uh, to, to sort of review this story because it is quite, uh, quite a curious tale. Quoting from an article by Seth Shostak from the SETI Institute, an article that's now five years old, Noting that of the many maybes that SETI has turned up in its four-decade history, none is better known than the one that was discovered in August 1977 in Columbus, Ohio. Apparently, one of the pioneering projects of SETI involved Dr. Jerry Ehrman uh, working with the Big Ear Radio Telescope of Ohio State University on August 15th of 1977 A signal came through that bore the expected hallmarks of a potential non-terrestrial and non-solar system origin. And this was quite a signal. It was 50,000 times more incoming energy than the minimum signal that would register as a hit for today's Project Phoenix, which is today's SETI project. Now, of course, all these research projects are plagued by terrestrial signals, which uh, which sort of confound the search efforts and give you all these false readings. But apparently in 1977, uh, the Ohio State Radio Telescope was basically just pointing up at one spot in the sky, letting the Earth's rotation do the rest. In essence, it was scanning what would have come from a a narrow beam from the heavens. Uh, This particular signal that came through rose and fell over 72 seconds, which was exactly what a beam from deep space would have done if it was originating from one spot in the heavens. Noted Seth Shostak in this article, uh, what you'd expect if the telescope had merely been flooded by an interfering terrestrial signal was it would suddenly switch full on and then sometimes later switch off. And even if the signal was due to some low-Earth orbiting satellite, the source that caused it, well, you wouldn't expect that to just fortuitously last for 72 seconds. It's for this reason that for the past four decades, the WOW signal gets high marks for being a credible candidate for SETI. On the other hand, it turns out the Ohio State Telescope was using two beams side-by-side, side. and after the pass of the first one, three minutes later, a second telescope looked at the same area. Well, uh, turned out the WOW signal wasn't there three minutes later. Well, could it still have been an extraterrestrial uh, transmission? Yes, if it had gone off the air during the three-minute interval between the beams. And scientists have looked and looked in that same exact uh, swath of sky for a repeat, and so far, they've never seen one. So unfortunately, uh, as it stands right now, looks as though Arthur C. Clarke and the rest of us is just gonna have to wait a little bit longer. Of course, we should note that Paul Allen, the co-founder of Microsoft, uh, is devoting uh, quite a bit of money. He's in partnership with the UC Berkeley to build a network of radio telescopes near Hat Creek in Northern California, It's known as the Allen Telescope Array, and its purpose is to pick up signals from space. There's a recent article about this by David Levy in Parade Magazine a couple weeks back about, uh, you know, well, are they out there? And I'm grateful to David Levy for clearing up uh, uh, something I read years ago that supposedly the late Clyde Tombaugh, the man who discovered Pluto, observed a UFO. Levy confirms that he did. Apparently, Clyde Tombaugh saw some green fireballs up in the sky, and unlike ordinary greenish fireballs that occasionally, occasionally brighten the night, these appeared to be in a group and seemed to speed up during their flight through the sky. Noted Levy, the more he thought about it, the more skeptical Tombaugh became about his sighting. Telling Levy once, even if they were visiting from a planet circling the nearest star, Alpha Centauri, an almost infinite amount of fuel as we understand it would be required to accelerate them from their home to ours there must be another explanation levy himself admitted to seeing a ufo noting that uh, before dawn 11 faint lights appeared in my telescope's field of view they climbed the sky slowed stopped and then started back toward the horizon he said he thought about it for a while then it hit him about 300 miles from his arizona home is white sands missile range a facility that frequently launches rockets He concluded, I must have witnessed a missile launch. Anyway, so many things to talk about, so little time. But uh, before we leave deep space, I want to know that NASA has apparently reprogrammed the Deep Impact spacecraft, which uh, sent a probe that smashed into the comet Temple 1 a couple years back, 2005 to be exact. It's still out there, and NASA's retargeted to go visit another small comet, Hartley-2. It's already performed its course correcting rocket burn and is now scheduled to pass within 600 miles of that comet in October of 2010. This was reprogrammed, curiously, because uh, this mission was planned to go past a second comet, a comet called Bothelin. That would have been next year in 2008. But uh, somewhere along the way, Bothelin, which is about a mile in diameter, Has disappeared. At least astronomers can't find it, and they suggest that it may have broken up into pieces too small to be seen. Anyway, let's take a break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, and when we come back, we'll talk about. America and Hollywood's obsession with plastic surgery.